Hey everyone, welcome to In Translation, a Blitz Unsweetened uh, and Culture Cafe collaboration, where we explore translated books from around the world and to celebrate diverse cultures and literature. Uh, For our second session, we take a dive into Indian literature and we will be exploring Malgudi Days by R.K. Narayan. Uh, Originally an award-winning play, but it's been turned into both a book and a TV show, I believe. Um, so there will be a Q&A session at the end. Wait, am I wrong in assuming that, was this originally a play? Because I don't remember writing that, but, um, we'll see. I might have to Google that afterwards. Um, but in the panel with me today is, uh, Navia, did you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Navia. I'm a senior volunteer with Culture Cafe, and I'm currently joining in from Hyderabad in South India. And Cheryl. Hi, I'm Cheryl. I'm here on Gurungai land in New South Wales. And um, just, yeah, excited to be here talking about books. You can also check out this later on if you can't stay for the whole time on the Blitz Book Club podcast, which is now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Um, And Axel. Hi, I'm Axel. I'm the Unsweetened Literary Journal Coordinator joining you from Darug and Gandangara land. And I am excited to talk about this book and the struggles I have had with it. Um, yeah, that's that's your warning for how <laughs> I'm approaching today. Um, and I am Sand. I'm the Culture Cafe coordinator. I'm super excited to also be uh, talking about the struggles I've had this book as well. Um, so before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Bedigal and the Bidigal and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Nanangal people whose land on which USW resides. I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and pay my respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening along with us. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, So to start us off, um, Navia, would you like to give us some context about this play, uh, about this novel? Yeah. To start off, I'm also not sure if it was a play because I think what I read was that it was like um, a book first um, written in the 1940s and then made into a TV series a little bit later on. Um, And so it's called Malgudi Days, right? But Malgudi is actually a fictional town, so it doesn't actually exist in India. But um, within the novel, it's sort of Um, is referred to as a town in South India. And so while I was just looking into the context of this book, I saw this um, statement by the author R.K. Narayan, who said that um, he thinks that in India, if you just look outside your window, um, you'll see like stories within each person or everything that you see. And I think that's what he was trying to encompass within the short stories in this book where it's just about the everyday life of people, students, and um, also grown-ups and just anyone that you encounter um, while um, living in this very rural South Indian town. So I think in that way it's quite interesting because um, I think um, as a reader going into it, um, especially for me because I'm from Um, I mean, I currently live in South India, so I think when I went into reading it, I could 
feel a little bit of familiarity in the sense that I um, could understand some of the South Indian references. But at the same time, when I realized that the town is completely fictional, I was like, oh, wait, that's really interesting because um, it's almost like you could put together this um, sort of connection with something that doesn't really exist. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, yeah, I think that's it for context. Um, I guess let's dive straight into it. Um, what were your general thoughts on the book and your, I guess, your first impressions? Um, and Axel, I know you have a lot to say, so did you want to start us off? Oh, I'm scared now. <laughs> um, I am afraid to report I did not complete this book. I tried really hard. I started reading it a couple of months ago, I think, and started very slowly. Um, but I just could not get past the sort of halfway point. I tried so hard and I am quite a committed reader. I can, I can power through a lot, but I, I just found I was getting really fatigued in reading. Um, I, I think that part of the issue is just that I'm not super inclined towards short stories. I like to be able to fall into the characters and get to know them. And there are such fascinating little snippets of character and such nuanced portrayals of, of different parts of life. Um, but it felt like I just sort of learned someone's name and suddenly we were on to the next story. Um, so I don't know, when, when I first started reading it, I thought this is going to be phenomenal. The writing is just so pristine. It's so clear. Um, everything felt sort of dry and humorous. Um, while still still really having a richness to the world building, the busyness like was something that was so clear just embedded through the language, how many people were around, the lights, the smells, the just sensory overwhelm. But um, I just, yeah, about 15 stories in, I just couldn't keep going with it because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't engage with each of the stories. So for the first few stories, I thought, yes, this is beautiful and the portrayal of mundane daily life was just superb, but um, that couldn't carry me through the whole book. Uh, so please send any judgments to me by direct mail or carrier pigeon, whatever's easiest. Um, I honestly, I have to say, um, I do feel like people who who aren't, I guess, from India or from like a Southern Indian context might struggle quite harshly with some of the references in there because I was reading this and I was honestly I was thinking about you Axel and Cheryl um because I was like oh man like I get this but it honestly took me like five minutes to like understand the the references that they were making um but I was like oh my god they're never gonna put it together because like you kind of have to like and they like grow up there um and you kind of have to like understand some of the, the context um in saying that um what about you Navia what did you think about the the book in general uh so like Axel I couldn't finish the book as well and um I think my reasons were a little a little bit different um, because I actually really love to read short stories. I think it's the kind of, um, you know, sort of, I, I kind of seek that the most in books. I find them um, really engaging personally. I think like naturally my attention span is like a little small and I just find more, I find myself like more um, like attentive to shorter stories. But I think with this, they were really short. And so I think, um, 
in that way it's interesting because I mean there's short stories and then there's you know something where you just get like a glimpse in two or three pages and I think with this book it was more on that two or three page type of thing where like Axel said you kind of get introduced and then you're sort of swept away and um into another world um but I feel like you know um another reason is that like even though with me like I could understand um some of the South Indian references and um, so I'm personally not South Indian, but I think just growing up here um, for quite a while and also just, you know, um, hearing about stories from other people within this region, I think in that way, I found it very beautiful to read. But at the same time, I think um, it's, it's the question of when you're writing about something that's quite mundane, it is beautiful um, for very limited amount of span so again going back to what Axel said like I think in the initial few short stories I was really hooked on to um, that little rural life and you know even just simple things like walking on the street and what they saw on their way back from school um, was really interesting for me to read but I think as it went on um, and you noticed like similar similar patterns continuing then you kind of probably wanted more or something a little bit different and I think just like I, one of my final thoughts is that like it's interesting because you want something different but at the same time there is so much rapid change in terms of you having different things thrown at you so it's very conflicting as a reader because you have these um like you're not really sure you, you want something and you're getting it but in a in a way that you probably didn't expect Um, and what about you, Cheryl? I feel like this is going to be repeating some of the same things because I also did not finish the book. And I was really annoyed about that because I don't generally like short stories very much. Like there are some exceptions, you know, the ones that you have a bit of a laugh at, like Story of an Hour by Kate Shokano, Lancia Slaughter by Raul Dahl, you know, something that's got a bit of a twist. And I like those individually, but short story collections tend to annoy me because like you guys have said, they don't really connect and each thing is individual but I was looking forward to this one because like we've mentioned it's all set in this fictional town of Malgudi so I was expecting there to be you know some kind of connection between some of the characters that might slowly come up like I think there is a story that's about um, a postman who goes around and he's linking to every house so I thought you know maybe we're going to get a story from the other point of view or maybe about one of the families that he delivers the post to and we might have a character that shows up here or there but I mean to be fair, I didn't get through the whole thing. I got through 16 out of the 32 short stories, which is exactly half. Um, but I saw none of that. And it was enjoyable for about like the first five to 10 pieces, I would say. But then after that, they start to kind of blur together. And, you know, I really liked an astrologer's day. That's not copying out. That is the first one in the book. It's not a cop out. I really do like that one. Um, and I like the gatekeeper's gift as well. I thought that was quite interesting. I won't like spoil the plot, so to speak. But then I read on and I was like, the gatekeeper's gift is basically the same thing as out of business, but like with different character names in a slightly different situation, but the plot is the same. And it just annoyed me. It was like recycled content with no point because it doesn't add to a bigger plot. It doesn't add to more color in terms of like understanding the setting. And that could be me maybe not getting some of the references or the nuanced descriptions there, but I just didn't enjoy it. And that was really, really disappointing because I felt like this was something that might have been interesting to explore in terms of better understanding a different culture 
And I'm not sure that I got that impression. I feel a little bit lied to as well, because the introduction to the version that I was reading said that, you know, this was a really good representation of the culture. And it has this really like lifelike setting. And, you know, the pieces, most of them are five pages. So it's like 10 minutes of reading a day and you can read it all in a month. And I tried, I tried really hard. And I went from like, you can read it all in a month, like one story a day to like, I have two weeks left. I'm going to read two a day. It's going to work. So like, you know, here we are. And I'm like, I read half of it and that's the best I could do. And honestly, I think once we finish this episode, I don't think I'm going back and finishing it. Like I have no inclination to pick it up again, which I feel like is a pretty damning review. But at the same time, it does speak towards how I've interacted with it and how I feel like in terms of like this context of looking at it in terms of in translation, I'm not sure that it is actually a good way of getting to know culture that is different from your own. Like you might be maybe better off looking at something that's more developed in novel form because aside from these little snapshots you're not really getting a good understanding of like the social dynamics I would say because each one is quite self-contained and you do have different social classes that, that are explored but you don't see them really interacting with each other that much so it's a bit hard to understand. It's interesting because I I think that my review probably sounded quite damning as well but the I also love the very first story, An Astrologer's Day. Like I've written down several quotes from it in my quote book um, because I just thought they were beautifully put and there were some of those really poignant moments of reflections on human nature. But just as a collection, as something I needed to work through, it, it didn't work for me. Maybe if it were being emailed to me once a day for 32 days, I would have felt okay about it. But it, yeah, it just felt... What, what started out as sort of dry humour and really interesting mundanity just became, oh, the same thing again. Um, and even when there were really interesting snippets of character, they were suddenly gone in five pages. Um, but yeah, sorry, I will pass the mic to you, Sanj. How did you find the book? I, <laughs> this might be a recurring theme, but I also did not finish the book. I got about 40% through it, I think. And even then, like I skimmed some pages, which was a bad idea because I don't think you can skim this book. I think you have to like really concentrate because like, you know, in like one, like in the first page, they're alive and well. And then this, like in the last page, they're like, have like beaten like a disease and like has like conquered the world or something I don't know it was just very confusing to me and I also agree with you Cheryl I read the the introduction and I was like this is going to be so good I'm going to read it once a day I'm going to control myself and it's going to be a great journey and three months later here I am and like you said I don't know if I'm going to pick book back up again um after this ends um which actually brings me I wanted to ask you Axel and Navia do you think I don't know if either like would you guys pick up the book again and like finish it best intentions but probably not but I do think I might reread a couple of the, the stories that I did read and that might be a tantalizing enough thing to force me to read the rest mm. Because, the th yeah, the thing is, I, have, I don't think I've ever had a situation where I've liked the writing style so much and not been able to continue with it. Um, because it, it is just like, 
really clear. Every line is just so pristine. Um, uh, like, and I think that the analysis of people, it feels like being inside the town um, from, from the very first story, The Astrologer's Day, it was like, uh, he is not in the least intended to be an astrology, an astrologer, and he knew no more of what was going to happen to others than he knew what was going to happen to himself the next minute. He was as much a stranger to the stars as were his innocent customers. Like, I feel like that's the type of writing that's almost invisible because it's so self-explanatory, it's so clear, there's nothing convoluting that. Um, and that's a rare gift. So, yeah, I want to return to his writing, but I don't know if I'm going to return to this collection. Yeah, I got to say, um, I just realized in the middle of this conversation that I think the volume that I have might be really different from the one that you guys read, because um, like, um, I think the first sign was that I didn't have that introduction note that you guys were talking about. But the other one is that I just looked at the contents and there's no short story called Astrologer's Day in mine. And so I'm just very confused because I'm like, wait, I don't know what I read. Like this book is called Malgadi Days. Like, I don't know. And so now I have to solve this mystery and figure out like, what's the difference between what I read and what you guys read. So I think I will be returning back to his writing just to figure this out. So this is something we didn't consider in terms of in translation, just sort of which books are available in which editions in different countries. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Um, wow. <laughs> you know what, though? It's in classic, classic fashion because in the last episode, I read the wrong book for the second book instead of the first one. So I guess, you know, it's just a continuing theme once again. Um, I guess we've already kind of touched on this, but I wanted to know what everyone's favorite story from the collection was. Um, and Cheryl, what about, like, I know you kind of touched on it. I think I know what it is, but repeat it just for, just for my sake. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it sounds like a cop-out because it is the first piece in the book, but An Astrologer's Day is the one I like the most. And I picked it up and I read that and I was like, this is great. If the book is full of this, I love it already. And then I got to the next one and the next one and I didn't like it so much because they weren't the same. Um, so that's probably the one I like the most. I think it kind of just reminds me a little bit of those types of short stories that I do enjoy that have a bit of a plot twist and a bit of, you know, it makes you think for a second and go, huh, that's funny, you know. Um, it's kind of out of out of left field but at the same time I feel like it's the only one that didn't really try to have some kind of moral to it which is also what I liked about it well I can't speak for the second half of the book but at least in the first half that I read a lot of the stories seem to try and tell you like you know like lottery is bad relying on that would be bad or like you know um trying too hard to like study for something that you're obviously not going to make it in is bad. And there's a lot of this kind of like moral overtones that I was getting that I wasn't really loving because it didn't really seem to offer helpful solutions or anything. It was kind of just like this commentary. And I wasn't sure that I really liked it because it didn't really seem to speak to me in terms of like human nature and stuff. Whereas that first story, it really spoke to me in terms of like showing the kind of ways in which people are self-interested, but it can still work out in a funny way like a little bit of black humor I suppose so like yeah I mean an astrologer's day that would be the one for me what about you Axel well 
not really responding to the question, but my experience of it was the opposite to you in terms of um, in terms of portrayals of morality. Like one of one of the key things for me was that uh, each story, m- most of them have some sort of anticlimax, or they have some something at the very last minute where the entire story changes, the entire moral framework ch- changes, and it was like each time. I felt a little bit more depressed about the human condition. Um, like, I mean, not in a particularly bad way, just like I think he did an excellent job of showing how weird people are and how people will do really horrible stuff just because that's what humans do. And it, it, it often is framed comedically. But, like, there's... I'm, I'm going to give spoilers for one of the stories um because I I don't know I I think it's a really good example of the tone that I mean um it was called the tiger's claw and a man is telling his story about how he's wearing a tiger's claw around his neck and and how he battled with this tiger um to 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 take its claw so it wouldn't take it take his life from him um and it turns out that the whole story was a fabrication and he had cut that claw from a tiger cub um like an, an infant, not something that would have been attacking him. And just the really casual last minute cruelty of that, I think that's a feeling that stayed with me. Like the indignation of he's weaved this beautiful tale about the sensory experience of being a victim to this tiger and hauling himself up in an abandoned um, uh, railway house. And it's just like, no, he mutilated a small animal um that that type of last minute bait and switch type thing is quite common and it didn't feel didactic to me it wasn't like here is the true moral of the story it was more sit uncomfortably with the fact that people do slightly fucked up things um all that said uh i really quite like the story called iswaran I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, um, but a young boy who um, keeps failing his exams uh, and he wants to go to a world where there were young men free from examination who sported around in lo- lotus pools in paradise, which is, um, you know, a university mood. And it didn't have any particularly weird moral mixed messages. Yeah, so that's me for favorite. And I think that was just largely, um, yeah, it was a mood. And and the last minute bait and switch was just like very artfully done. I think we're just totally opposite because until you said it, I had completely forgotten about the Tiger's Claw story. And then when you said it, when you were talking about it, I was just like, oh yeah, that's the one that I just didn't like because it felt like, you know, it was just being like, people suck. And, you know, that's the story. That's the moral that they're telling you, like, don't lie or like, don't believe people because they lie. And that was kind of like one of those that I just forgot about because I didn't think it was like that great personally. So yeah, it's a total flip. Navia, out of curiosity, what was what was your favorite? Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I don't know if you can see the stress on my face because I just um, so I think um, in the way that the volume that I'm reading is written, I don't. I, I guess I have to ask the question: Is the tiger's claw the thing? Is that all just like one short story? Like you find out at the end of it that it was a lie, 
Is that the case? Because in the one that I'm reading, there's no specific short story like that, but they do have that mentioned, but it spans over multiple short stories. And I'm just very confused how that's like a thing. Like, I don't know if this is like a completely different book now, but the same concept um, is a little bit different. I guess maybe it's not as um, developed, like it's not explicit. So it's just like a casual conversation between um, three friends and it's um, delivered in a very simple way of just like, you know, someone who's able to boast in conversation very easily and very um, is able to, you know, sort of fool his friends. And um, it sort of showed that naivety of um, those who are sort of believing him, but it actually um, was something that went over different stories so it was like first it happened and then in another story it was like a conversation between the child and his grandmother and how he was like um talking about how his friend is like very um cool and has done all of that and his grandmother was a little skeptical and I think that was like the hint for the readers that like you know um this is probably going to be touched upon later but we're going to see that this friend isn't really all that um, but yeah, like it took some time. And I think in that way, um, I think my reading experience is a lot different because um, it wasn't like it all came at once. And I was like, oh, whoops, like here's a cliffhanger. Or, I mean, so here's a plot twist. And um, it's, it's, here's a moral lesson. But it was like, even though all of my short stories were really short, it was like, the the messaging was spread out. And in that way, I think I was able to take it better. Like, I feel like I didn't have that experience um of finding it like a bit much or um you know um really thinking about um even the morals because it was it just didn't hit me all at once and so I think in that way I'm just really interested to like continue this conversation further because I want to see in all the different ways that those um I guess overarching themes were written in in whatever version it is that I read um, yeah, I am not sure what version you're in. Like, I'm not sure what version you have because, yeah, it's so strange that it's all both called Malgudi Days, though. So I wonder, like, if it's, like, if it's, like, a newer version or if it's, like, an older version of it. Because I, I am aware that there's, like, three or four different, like, editions that you can get. Um, my favorite story was probably a, I think it's called a, um, the blind dog yeah the blind dog I don't know why but it was probably like the for me like the most digestible and like someone who likes really easy words just like something like simple and you know that had like a very easy like storyline I know it's like a very basic answer but um I'm also I don't know I just thought it was very um easy to digest I guess, um, especially because I was struggling with, I guess, a few of the other stories, just like with understanding it um, and really like being engrossed in it. And this story was just a bit of like a, and like a classic, like the, one of like the classic short story, it had a plot twist at the end. So yeah, um, in contrast, I guess, what, what short story in the collection didn't you like or did you like absolutely despise? Um, Cheryl? I don't even know if there's one in particular that I despise because kind of like I mentioned before 
you know, there are ones that I just forgot I read. And I feel like that really speaks to how bad it is if you don't even remember reading it. Um, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Like, maybe the one about the doctor that was a little bit early on, I think it's called The Doctor's Word, um, which just, like, it didn't really connect. Like, I didn't really seem to see a point to it it was kind of just like a snapshot that didn't offer anything personally that might be one um but yeah honestly like so many of them other than the ones I liked and have already mentioned I just forgot about so I think anyone that I don't remember at all might be one that you know isn't really that great what about you guys hi same here that was probably my least favorite like the doctor's word I was like so confused as to what was happening and then like again like a classic plot twist or whatever at the end I don't even know if it was a plot twist but I was just like why why did we need that but I don't know it was just a personal preference really um Axel what about you I didn't dislike it as an artistic work but I really was unhappy with the blind dog um just I don't know maybe this is a theme for me I'm sad about mistreatment of animals um but yeah I I I guess I was unsatisfied that there wasn't more to the story because I, I I did want to know more about how those characters progressed and it it that was one of the few stories where I felt like there was some sturdy character building about um the the blind man the beggar uh and it, I would have been less indignant about him behaving terribly and left with a bad taste in my mouth if I had just seen more of him over an extended narrative, I think. Um, but yeah, Mis- mistreating animals, it just didn't didn't sit nicely with me. <laughs> Navia. Navia, what if- yeah, um, I guess I can't really answer this question since there wasn't really any specific short stories um, like in mind that stood out, but I just did like quick little research and I realized what went wrong. Um, and apparently the author has like three books that are like set in Malgudi and they're um, and they've sort of like repurposed stories across those books so the one that I have is called Malgudi School Days and I thought it was the same thing but apparently it's not and then there's another one called Swami and Friends and then there's Malgudi Days and so I just looked at my book and it was like oh this story was um in Malgudi Days but it was called Father's Help and it was not called this and I was like oh wait that's really interesting because um like the way I see it in this book it is all part of like some kind of linear narrative but I don't know how it would have been put in the actual collection of short stories so I think um I'm just like overall my mood right now is like very intrigued um at like what was there in the actual book and I think um I'll really just have to see it um for myself and then just process what exactly happened because I'm so confused yeah, because uh, I was just looking. Oh, sorry, Sanji, go. Oh, no, 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 you go. Um, I was just looking at my copy while you were saying that, Navia, and I did notice it does say it's grouped by stories that are from an astrologer's day and then ones that are from Lolly Road and news stories. So they're like three little categories. And I feel like 
maybe that's also why for me personally I get the sense that there's this kind of like disjointedness that doesn't really make it very interesting because it seems like it's just compiled as in like here are all the things he wrote (laughs) and stuck together in a book rather than like carefully curated and crafted into something that makes a little bit more sense because I do remember reading The Father's Help and I remember that not really striking me as being interesting but it's I would like to see how it's played out in your book where it is put with a different title and in different context as well. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, um, has anyone like dabbled into the TV series just in comparison? Okay. No, but I, and this might be a terrible thing to say, but I was just watching like a crappy British crime drama a few days ago and Name and shame, Axel. Tell us what the show was. Midsummer Murders. Um, like, that's the campest, uh, the, the campest murder mystery you can get, so I'm here for it. But I was, I yeah, I was thinking about Malgudi Days, and the tone felt sort of similar to me. Um, and I, yeah, I psychoanalyzed myself about why I thought that, and I think it's something about Um, The thing of like all set in the same town or the same district and the sort of wry tone where often if there is a moral to the story, it's people are weird and they do bad things. Um, But also the just sort of sense that, and I don't know if anyone else had this, but I really felt there were a few moments in, in each of the stories where it was like, it was almost cusping on magic realism. Um, And I think that it, it does actually cross over in one of the stories, um, such perfection, where there's actual divine intervention. But it's sort of like the sense that the the world is so real in in some ways, and and mundanity is so important that it's almost like I was expecting it to flourish into something bizarre. And because there were those little moments of like a carnival coming to town and talking about an elopement with a tiger, um, it, I wasn't sure whether that was just a cultural difference where those things felt really like big to me, um, but wouldn't to a South Indian reader. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would have found it more fun if it had crossed the line into magic realism. Um, that was a very roundabout response to your question, Sanj. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. Oh, good. Um, yeah, that's a very interesting take um, because I honestly, like, I, yeah, again, I became very much a passive reader towards the end there um, because I just wasn't, like, interacting or, like, engaging with it at all. I was just reading for, like, the sake of, oh, my God, I need to read more before today. Um, but I honestly, like, it. if you had told me this was a magic realism, like, collection of short stories, I would not, I would not have, like, questioned you on it, um, <laughs> genuinely. Uh, moving on to the next question, and I think this was answered a little bit throughout um, the previous questions, was, um, would you ever, um, like, what did you think about the writing in the book? Um, and actually, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to go to you first anyway. I wanted more of it. I just want, I loved the style. I thought it was clever. I thought his precision of language was beautiful, but I just wanted 
for that lovely writing to be extended over a longer work. So maybe I need to go away and not return to the short stories, but instead read the novels like Navia has. Yeah. What did others think of the writing? I guess I have a question. Like, um, what would you say the like audience age group would be for the, the book that you read? Because I think I might have a different answer based on how this one was written. I, I don't actually know. I guess general adult reader, maybe. I think uh, it, most school kids could pretty comfortably read it, um, but I don't think it was written for kids. It, yeah. I think, so I think the one that I'm reading was written for kids. Um, I'm just connecting all the dots now, and I realized that my brother read this when he was in fifth grade. Um, and, um, and I was just sort of wondering, I was like, why didn't I get any of that sort of, you know, that the that writing that, um, you know, the, the kind that, you know, you find a quote that you really like and you write it down. Cause I was like, wait, I didn't actually have that experience reading this. And I realized it's because it was written for a younger audience. And um, in that way, I guess I would just say that I think maybe the overarching messages are sort of diluted um, quite a bit and spread across. Um, and I, I guess I'm not trying to say that that's a bad thing. I think it's, it's probably, um, sort of rightfully done considering it's something you want someone a younger audience to comprehend um but I, yeah I think it's it's kind of like hit or miss with with it because I, I would say that I guess um Axel the kind of writing that you appreciate and are probably looking to experience in a more longer form um version is not in this book even though um this is written in a more um connecting way. So I think that's really interesting because um, it sort of shows that what you're looking for from the author, it's like, it's, um, I guess his writing and him creating these separate books within the same town, it's like very fragmented and each book has a different approach of its own. And what we're kind of looking for um, as a reader isn't really met um, in the way that I guess we'd wish it was, which is really interesting. I feel like that we could just call this podcast at this point a comedy of errors. Um, <laughs> yeah. All love and respect to all of us. Um, <laughs> but the level of, yeah. Yeah. Error and misadventure. It's good. <laughs> um, I will, with that review, not be going on to read the, the children's, uh, the children's book <laughs> um maybe the you know the third book would have something in between that would make all of us happy um I forgot what it was called um was it Swami's friends yeah mm. yeah maybe you know that's aimed for a more of an adult audience um I forgot what question what the question was oh Cheryl um what did you think about the writing um well I disagree with Axel here I did not like the writing style. I mean, I just found myself unintentionally skim reading a lot of it. And I didn't feel like there was enough plot to justify the number of words he used. Like it was just so much to get through. And I feel like I didn't really get like much out of the setting or in terms of, like I said before, I didn't really feel like there was a strong portrayal of culture that I could really grasp. So I didn't feel like it was adding any value and it wasn't adding any value 
to the plot because there wasn't a lot of a plot in a short story format, as we kind of mentioned. So best intentions aside, I just, I found myself skim reading it and found myself just, you know, not really enjoying it because I don't really like books that kind of lead you to skim. I like to hang on to every single word and read every word and break it down. And I didn't really get that in this sense. And it was a bit disappointing because I do know that this was originally written in English. And I thought that, you know, without any errors of translation, it might be a little bit easier to understand the culture and understand the setting in that sense. Um, But I just couldn't really get into it. Um, But Swami and Friends, back to that point, I think might be quite interesting because I was just looking up the, um, the TV series we mentioned before that's from the 80s. And that is based on Swami and Friends, not the Malgudi days that we read. Um, But aside from the first 13 episodes, I think, which were also done in English, the original language is in Hindi. And I wonder if that would maybe change the way in which it portrays things as well and kind of have more of an authentic feel. So I would kind of like to see that adaptation rather than read another one of his books in that sense. I was really curious in terms of the question of authenticity about like, the impact of the fact that this was written like in the very late stages of British rule in, in India. And like I said, I I did feel it was sort of like British crime drama. And I think something about the um the writing style reminds me not not of of modern British writing, but like old timey. 1940s, 50s British writing, it felt reminiscent of that to me, which isn't surprising because British rule. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I was expecting to be more shocked or, or just have, have more, experienced more of a cultural difference than I did, but it felt like it was um, a very different landscape and very familiar language. And that was something that was really different with, say, Before the Coffee Gets Cold, where it was clear that just like everything from sentence construction to the way that the characters were thinking was, um, yeah, just just a different starting point in terms of how the narrative was put together. Whereas this, this is a born English story, um, born English language story. Yeah, I mean, the point you make about kind of that like British colonial rule does kind of speak to it. I didn't really make the connection before, but one thing it did remind me of, which is funny because I really enjoy, love this book that I'm going to mention is The Tea Planter's Wife by Dina Jeffries, which is like set in, I think, like 1930s Salon. And it's written by a British lady, but it's kind of got that similar description of setting and the way it's like slightly foreign, but not very in the way that it's described. And I think that is maybe like another thing that I didn't connect to because it wasn't overtly like a commentary on British colonialism or showing you the intricacies of South Indian culture. It was like a mix in between somewhere that wasn't like quite fully developed to my mind, especially for a fictional town. I thought it would be a little bit more obvious which way it's cited. And it might be a product of its time in that sense that it's trying not to alienate either side by being, you know, too much of one way or the other but yeah it was um yeah kind of interesting in that sense Navia how how do you find it in in that sense as someone current the only person in India at the moment um like does it I know the question of authenticity is a big one but did it did it read as uh like did it feel organic to you uh so I have like 
a couple of thoughts on this. I feel like for starters, I think the the Malgadi days um, at the start of this, um, we talked about the forward, which um, said that I, I, if I'm not wrong, something that it'll give you like a good insight on the culture. And I feel like that might've set you up for like those high expectations and just kind of been confused. Um, and in, in my case, like I did not have that um, note and I also didn't really have any um, thoughts going into it, but I think yeah, with my version, um, I think it's it's interesting because um, the thing is with within India there is a lot of diversity, and I think people's experiences can be so different. And I would say with language as well, um, it's always quite interesting because um, we have different languages in each place, but sometimes people are more comfortable talking in English itself. Um, and you won't really know when that's the case. So for example, um, I might be more comfortable talking in my native um, mother tongue Hindi at home, but I might know people that have always, you know, um, been speaking English and that's what they're comfortable with, including their extended families. So when I was reading this book, I think a part of my mind also just kept it open in the sense that like, oh, like sometimes the dialogue felt a little strange because I'm like, oh, well, if they live in a rural town in South India and it, and the description is as such and the writing and the language is as such, um, I think with a mix of like, um, you know, the little references or like the, the text in italic with the specific South Indian little things, I was a little confused because I was like, I don't um, know if that's exactly how this conversation might have gone but at the same time I feel like I need like as an Indian I need to have an open mind you know like I feel like there's always like I don't want this to be confusing but I think the part of me one part of me is like um maybe if they were having this conversation in their native language it would not have gone this way um that it's coming off in English but at the same time it's very realistically possible that they had this entire conversation in English the whole time and that's how it went and I think that's something which is like, I guess, kind of hard to grasp, um, not really being here. But I think um, once you think about it that way, it kind of um, when you read it, you have that sort of duality of just like it could have been this way or it could have not. So I think the whole question of authenticity is then like um, quite interesting because, like I said, it could have gone one way or the other. It sort of depends on you and how you want to sort of take it. And I guess um how comfortable the reading experience is also kind of um to, uh, like it aids that so if I think that it's flowing well then I would more likely think that that is a conversation that actually played out and I think in my version at least it flowed well so I think that's the side that I'm on right now uh just to add on to that kind of um like not necessarily writing, but more of the contents. It seems very, very familiar. It's such a classic, like Indian tale. I don't know how to explain it, but it's very like, like, like old timey, like very much like, you know, like something that, you know, your parents would like tell you to kind of like warn you of something is, it's very reminiscent of that. And like, um, just like how this, the story is told. Um, how these stories are told and how it's written and how it's kind of very like like it's very it's a very similar like iteration of like what like a lot of South Indian literature kind of looks like it's very difficult to read um, and I think it's saying a lot because a lot of the the South 
Indian literature book in my shelf has very um it's me like reading it like a quarter way through or like 40% through because I'm like I'm determined one of these days to get through um like these writings because I think they it's so unique but still kind of difficult to like grasp um yeah um, I guess because we are coming to an end um I just wanted to know like what your closing thoughts are anything that you know you wanted to say about this collection of stories that you didn't get to before Axel I think I've said all I plan to say. Oh, actually, um, you just said that it feels like very classically Indian in the sense of something your parents would say to you. And one thing I had jotted down for myself was that in some ways it felt like folk stories or... or um, yes, fairy one, that's the almost. word. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that actually might've been why I kept expecting there to be magic because it, it felt like it could have been just very abruptly, oh, yes, there is a big bad wolf. Um, the wolf is talking to this small child who is fretting about his exams, and ta-da, here is a moral. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I guess I'm um, interested in, in that idea of um, being a classically Indian way of storytelling, so I'm going to go away and read more about that. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I guess I, I want to say, like, an acquired taste. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's very it's very hard to describe because, like, for me, it brings up nostalgia because, like, when I was reading the book, I felt, like, extremely nostalgic, but I was also, like, I also couldn't finish, like, the, the stories as well. So I'm very conflicted about this book, honestly. Um, Cheryl, what about you? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've said everything I have to say about this book in particular. Maybe my only thoughts about it is that it pushes me a little bit more away from this and more towards, and this might be like a bad thing. I don't really know, but towards the kinds of books or like TV shows about Indian culture that I do seem to relate to and understand. Like I know on Netflix is really popular right now. Never have I ever. And I just find like a lot of what is in that show just relates to like general Southeast Asian culture and so there are like relatable parts in that and it also like pushes me more towards things like A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth right which was written in 1993 absolutely massive book I have not actually fully read it I think I've read like a chapter <laughs> but you know I feel like there's more of this kind of like I don't know maybe it's the novel format as well but it's kind of like a depiction of culture and life and place in a way that I understand and relate to more so than in this collection of short stories and that's maybe like just where it sits with me it's kind of like pushing me away from the short story format when I'm looking to understand something that's kind of different or new and Navia what about you yeah, I think I'm just going to say that I feel like with this book, it's something that really sort of sits in between the sort of spectrum of like, um, you know, like Sanj, when you said um, it's like Indian like storytelling. And I thought about like my own personal um, examples or experiences. I would like it was like fantasy stories that came to mind that I was told. And so I was like, oh, well, if I was to actually talk to someone about like what it was like growing up with like Indian folklore, 
I wouldn't think of something like this. I would think of something that's more, um, that has those like fantasy elements. Um, but at the same time, I still felt nostalgic while reading this book. And then at the same time, I also agree with what Cheryl said about like, it's not really a full insight into a culture that you could actually really, I guess, take away from as someone who's not from South India. So I feel like in that way, it's just like, um, there are a lot of ends that aren't met. And I feel like, I mean, I guess not just on the book as a whole, but just as someone who's like a curious reader and just wants to know more. So I feel like with this book, it's like you can read it and you can enjoy it. But then afterwards, you just have a lot of things that you you kind of just want to seek because you're like, okay, well, now I know that I'm looking for this. Um, and I feel like that might be um, like all of our um, thoughts right now about like, I need to go look into something else right now, because this has made me like sort of bounce off and um, want to check something else out. But I think um, all in all, like I, I, I like that it was like a jumping off point for a lot of um, these things. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you so much for joining. If anyone is watching our live stream right now, um, let us also know if you have any books that you would like us to explore next. Uh, if you missed uh, any of our chat today, um, you can listen to it in the podcast from Blitz Book Club, Spotify. Um, and um, for more chats, um, stay tuned. We're not too sure yet what's happening. Um, but also, Cheryl, did you want to talk a little bit about like what's going to happen with um, the Blitz um, Book Club podcast next? What's on next? Um, sure. Yeah. So the next thing we have coming up is going to be a look into Dark Academia. And we'll be looking at These Violent Delights by Chloe Gaunt, which is a, also a little bit of a delve into different culture, I think, because it is set in Shanghai, although it is written by um, Chloe Gaunt, who is um, a resident of New Zealand, I believe. And I just, I'm very interested to read it because she's born in 1998, which is the same year as me. So I just like, I'm astounded that she's got this book published and I'm like so impressed. I just, I want to delve into it and I want to know everything. And I also love that it's supposed to be based off of like Romeo and Juliet, I believe kind of like an adaptation in a way. So if you're interested in any of those aspects, be sure to listen to our next episode. I'm really glad that you raised this because I've been reading the wrong These Violent Delights. I've been reading <laughs> These Violent De Delights by um, Micah Nevermore, which is, I think, technically also Dark Academia. So, uh, Once again, a comedy of errors, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll just show up having read the wrong book and we'll just uh, yeah. see how it goes. I mean, it works. It works. You can do a little comparison, compare, contrast. We've run on um, vibes today. Yeah. <laughs> we can do yeah. it again. Yeah, we should really just start um, putting up the book cover when we decide the book is well, so we don't have any <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Also, 1998. That's so impressive. So, so impressive. Um, God, why can't I release a book? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think she wrote it while she was still in uni. So I am, like, I'm astounded and I want to read it and I want to know everything about her. Like, it seems cool. Cheryl, you're next. I hope you're working on your next book. Thank you. Oh, can I can I quickly promo something? Of course. So speaking of Cheryl being amazing um, and also being published, uh, Unsweetened Literary Journal has been in the making for pretty <laughs> much of a full year now, and we are actually launching this upcoming Friday. Um, we will be launching at 6 p.m. 
posted just like today on Zoom, so you can come join us in chat or you can watch the live stream on Facebook. Um, we will be hearing some soppy speeches. Yes, the soppy speeches are from me. Um, there will be readings from the journal, which I am immensely excited for, and prize givings and lots of chat time, um, because I feel like it's illegal to disallow book people chat time. Um, so please do come along if you can to, if nothing else, celebrate Cheryl's wonderful writing. Um, which... And everyone else, it's not just me, thank you, to all <laughs> Swedish authors, celebrate them all. Yeah, I mean, whatever, fine, they're not in the room. We don't need to think about them. Um, and single me out, please. <laughs> um, come celebrate Cheryl and everyone. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a very lovely night celebrating student writing. So please join us if you can. Cool. Amazing. I I hope to be there. Um, I think I I don't know what I have on Friday, but I feel like I have to clear my schedule now. Uh, Friday 6 p.m. right? Friday 6 p.m. Friday 6 p.m. Perfect. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for being here, Navia, Cheryl, Axel. Um, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>